welcome to the Alive of Education podcast. We're here again with Chloe Somadosi. Did I say that right? Yeah, Amazing. yeah, you did. And today we're talking about basically the business of fitness and the business of Pilates and what it takes to really be a business owner. So, Chloe, do you want to let us know a little bit about your businesses? Um, well, yes, I was born and raised in Italy. I moved to Dubai four years ago um, to open a Pilates studio in Dubai. I've been in the Pilates industry for almost 20 years now. It's uh, my Long time. 20th uh, um, year loving and being passionate about Pilates. And um, I used to own a teeny tiny boutique studio uh, in Milan. Um, my dream was uh, really to... Um, open a bigger studio to build a community around it. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, uh, I was lucky enough to be able to do it. Um, so I own the Pilates Academy in Dubai. Um, we've got one branch in JLT who's been up and running for three and a half years. And we just opened our second branch in Business Bay 12 minutes walking from the Burj Khalifa. So um, I'm really, really excited. I'm really, really excited about yeah, it. Congratulations about your Thank second you. studio. Thank you. Talking about Pilates specifically, because uh, that's your thing, what kind of considerations do you have to make when you're trying to make a successful Pilates studio when it comes to like starting at the beginning from the thought of, I think I can do a Pilates business, and then you go, right, I'm going to do it. You open your laptop up, what do you do? Um, well, I'm going to repeat myself uh, again and again, uh, but um, what you need to do is to love it. <laughs> you really have to be passionate about it um, because you are going to live with it, literally. When you own a business, it's not like a normal job. You don't just... Um, go to the office around nine and then come back at six and then that chapter shuts down and you think about your personal life. When you own a business, you are <laughs> the business and the business is your life. Everything becomes interconnected and you never, never really... Um, Take so a minute, yeah. You yeah. never, you never, you never take a day off. You never take a morning off. You never take a, a night off. So um, you really need to be very passionate about it, and it needs to mean a lot to you. And my first point, I've, I, I've, I read, I've written down some notes about what I wanted to speak about today. And my first point is money cannot be your only why. Um, if you're doing things for money, forget about it. Forget about it. You'll never get there. It cannot. It can. It can be one of your whys. Um, it can be a byproduct of what you do, but it cannot be the reason why or the only reason why you do things. Because. Um, that is my my personal opinion, but I don't think you're going to be successful if you're only uh, looking at the financial aspect. Just to play devil's advocate, because not like I'm taking the opposition here. I agree completely. Um, because you, if um, if the financial aspect is your only motivation, you are going to miss up on so many other things that are the things that make a business successful. That your business will not be successful, um, and. The second thing is, I, I believe um, to own a successful Pilates studio, you should be a Pilates expert. Um, I know many... I agree with you so <sighs> much, especially in Dubai. You see so many, so many yoga studios and Pilates studios, and I'm stomping my foot here if you're not like uh, watching this, but... So many Pilates and yoga studios get opened by people who, who want this as a business venture um, and even gyms and they know nothing about it, nothing about what it's like to be a teacher, nothing about the methodology, nothing about the history, nothing about any of those considerations, the nuances of it, of the craft and they just strip it and it, it's really sad. And do you know what though? <laughs> Most of those have tended to close over the time. Like I've seen, I've been here 10 years and they open, they do great for a little bit um, and then they close. That proves your point though, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you well, got to be the experts. You got to... Yeah. I, I believe it. it makes... um, If if you are not the 
expert you need to have an expert that you fully trust but that you are also that you trust so much that you're willing to put your personal beliefs aside uh, to follow and i don't know how easy that is so it comes to the point i've worked where in loads of those and it's not very easy so it's not very easy because of course you've got an opinion of course you've got your your personal preferences but sometimes because you're not an expert you cannot un- you don't really understand that priorities might be different when you have a different eye um onto onto the business um and i always make this um uh this example um my husband is a professional actor we go to um we go to a show either at the movie theater or at the theater i see something yeah. happening but what he sees is a million yeah. different things he has an eye for the light he has an eye for the acting he has an eye for the pictures he has an eye for so many things that i don't even perceive because i'm not an expert right yeah. so the the level of detail and the level of um, appreciation of things that you can achieve really depends on the knowledge that you have towards those things so when you are an expert you and we speak mm. about nuances but for sure your approach is different um than uh, the approach of anybody else who has um a passion but is not a professional expert and it is true most of the businesses uh, um most of the fitness businesses in dubai are owned by um by people who uh who open it as a business who are investors yes um that is not easy that is a big leap of faith so if you want to open a pilates uh, studio i think being an expert becoming an instructor working and that is another thing working in a million other places mm-hmm. as crucial to make you understand not only the point of view of the owner but the point of view of the instructors and the employees that is a very very important point there are so many things that i that i see in in the instructors who work with me and sometimes i'm like gosh but why don't they do this why don't they do that and then like, and then i think about some examples i i really resonate with what you're saying here give us some examples so that people can um, understand okay the 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 biggest the greatest example that comes to my mind is um we own a beautiful studio the space is gorgeous and and the instructors who i'm lucky enough uh to have around me are incredible incredibly knowledgeable passionate and they're just a blessing the people you really want around you um sometimes i wonder why don't they bring in clients how is that and they have like special rates if they bring in their own clients to the studio and i'm like why don't they do it they could they never really why don't don't they support the business by bringing people in and then i think about when i was a pilates instructor i worked in so many places and clinics and studios and big studios and tiny studios and i and i'm i feel like i'm a very i've i'm a very social person i'm a person who um tends to support others but although i have some i i have those qualities like It, although it comes natural to me to do all those things i never brought a single client to any of the studios i worked in and and then i'm like well if i didn't do it and it's something that could have come natural to me why should i be surprised about the fact that my instructors don't do it or that they do it very little it doesn't and the fact that i was an instructor in so many places and i was there myself um makes me understand that point of view um a lot better and i think that's one of the reasons why i would say don't become a pilates instructor and then you open your own studio mm, no become a pilates instructor and then work in a million studios and then learn what are the things that you really like about those places but also the things that you don't like about those places and try to make your place unique that way mm. um yeah it's interesting you, st- you talk about the employees and kind of um their mindset as wh- where they're going to help your business or not i had a conversation with a guy who'd moved from being a trainer to a kind of a small business owner 
and he had a guy working for him and he was sort of comp- not complaining but he was talking to me about the challenges he was having with the guy with his employee and and he, he just turned on the point of like you know he's just got an employee mentality and I looked at him and I was like of course he does because he is an employee like he's only this is what you laid out in his contract is what he's doing um, if you want to get people to, to bump up and to start to change you as a as a leader you need to show them do you know yeah so i don't know how you would support your staff that way well um there's one thing that i strongly believe in within my team people don't work for me they work with me and that's um i think from a philosophical point of view but it ends up being a very practical point of view we work together and if you get into my studio and you ask Probably, um, if you take uh, a sample of 100 clients, less than 50% know that I'm the studio owner. Nobody knows about it. I'm one of them. I'm one of them when I, um, when I clean the equipment. I'm one of them when I try to lead by example. And even if I'm super exhausted, I try to just clean up the room. I'm one of them when I, when I answer and help my employees um, and my secretaries answering the emails at 1 a.m. I'm one of them. You, as, as if I, I believe when you work with people, you need, and especially if you are <laughs> the owner uh, of the business, you have to get to the office first in the morning, be the last who leaves, be always there for them before they are there for you. You must, must be there for them. And that is also something that I struggle understanding. There's so many friends of mine who work for bigger or smaller companies, they come to me, they're like, no, I cannot take my leaves. I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, when you work with somebody, it doesn't mean they own your life. It doesn't mean they own your personal life. It means you have the chance and you're lucky enough to have those people around you support your dreams and you need to support them at least as much as they support yours. So it's not like I decide when you go on holiday as you let me know when you would like to go. And there must be one chance over a million that you're really picking some days where you're making my life miserable. But you know what? Even if that is the case, if that's your priority, you go. And I'll find the solution because I don't own your life just because we work together. And I, I believe like if that's my, that's my belief, if, if more people were... <laughs> We're dealing with the people they have around them um, this way. I think they would get, they, they would end up getting a lot more from. Yeah, people have to learn their lessons, don't they? You know, through all different types of experience, you 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 really learn how to migrate your way, you know, in your skill set with doing the Pilates with your clients, but then also finding your way as part of the team, where you are in the team, and finding how to communicate with people. Um, that's a huge part of getting to the point where then you eventually become uh, the owner or the manager where you can see it from both sides. You can see, look, I was in your position. I used to, I used to act the way you do and I used, to, I used to come in and leave at certain times, but now I'm on this side. Um, I appreciate both positions and just because you've had some some issues like that, you know, where you're sort of you're trying to find that balance beam along the the yeah, to like migrate. it's it's definitely very very tough. And I think one of the things that I learned from being on both ends of it, from being a teacher and being a manager, and going back to being a teacher, and then going back to managing studios, and then consulting for studios and building studios, is that you really like. For starters, what you mentioned before, you really you if you're not the expert in it, then you really have to work with someone who trusts you. And if they don't, then you have huge problems. Um, and I've experienced that myself, being with with owners that um, didn't is they they didn't understand the industry and they didn't understand. Like I'll give you an example. I told you about this before already. It was about our and we'll keep this like a, I won't be specific with it, but. Um, so in the fitness industry, you work your classes or your private sessions and then you go home. And it's, a, it's an industry where you either work in the morning or you work in the evening or you work chunks of the day, but it's not like nine to five. And the people that I worked for at some stage, we'll keep it nice and open, um, were very much into, no, this is a business. We want everyone to be here eight hours a day. And it was actually UAE labor laws. They wanted people there nine hours a day, six days a week. 
and trying to explain to to people who weren't in the industry and didn't understand that that is not industry standards and that you're not going to get the best out of people if you make them do that because it's such a different it's so different to sitting in an office where you can be on your laptop and it's you can have moments where you switch off when you're physically talking and interacting with people and being really present it's it's it takes something different you got to be there you got to actually be there and it can be really tiring for instructors really really tiring. well you know i i i was reading this article there was the list of the toughest jobs in the world uh in terms of mental and physical fatigue mm. the most demanding jobs and i thought like oh like uh, carrying heavy loads or stuff no the most tiring job and toughest job in the world is being a ballet dancer classic ballet dancer and the second toughest job in the world is being a fitness instructor really yes how do they what are they quantifying i don't i i i can i cannot recall the entire article but that was second in the list and uh, i was like i do have a very tough job we do have a very tough job it is very demanding you need to you need to be present you need to lead by example you need to be what you preach because otherwise why would you be there right um and you need to be socially available you need to be energetically available you Mm -hmm. need to be fully charged you need to be careful in terms of really taking care of others um you need to be able to listen there's so much going on you need to be knowledgeable and careful that you're not hurting other people there's Mm. so much going on in in the brain of an instructor and um, you you deal with so many different kind of people that you cannot always be the same Mm. you have to change the way you communicate the way you stand the way you approach the others every every single hour you learn you get you can't just learn that what you're saying now is different. You, you got to identify what type of person you're speaking to, how they absorb information, how they respond to information, and then you need to adapt on the on the same level as them. Because it was kind of what you were saying when you're trying to. There's a book by uh, Jack O'Willick called um, Extreme Ownership, and he talks about communicating up the channel and communicating down the channel. So as a leader, you've got people who are you know below you, and and you've got to tell them what to do, and you got to inspire them, and you got to listen, you got to do the whole thing. From a, it's a military. He's a military guy. For talking about a Navy SEAL, but the amount of um, well, EQ, the amount, the amount of emotional intelligence that he brings to that job, and how you got it, like you're dealing with people's lives, you need to make them, you need to make them feel safe and feel feel wanted. And it's not about just ordering people. That people have the misconception that that's what the military is, but it's not that at all. But he talks about going up the chain, like you're trying to talk to your your seniors, your investors, like how the industry works, and you've got two huge paradigm yeah two viewpoints d- yeah it's very different viewpoints yeah and you're stuck in the middle so g- going, going into the kind of administration side right you, you're thinking about it that way from okay you see yourself as the best pilates instructor in the world you've got the expertise you've done 15 years bouncing around two studios a year in 10 different countries and now you've time to sit Open down your own. yeah um well so there's something else that I would like to say before going into the administration part is um, and that's probably my personal approach but I really wanted to open a studio because I wanted it to be a community a learning environment for the people around me and um, my so whoever I have around me for me the main the main question in order to be successful is what can I give before what can I get it's because everything is about giving when you give to people what they're looking for then eventually you'll get what you are looking for and for me owning a studio um, is really in terms of employees is really what my 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 greatest resource is not having beautiful equipment is not having a gorgeous location my my greatest resource or having a lot of classes my and and my greatest resource i will say it's not even my clients my greatest resource is my instructors mm. because they are the heart and the soul of the studio and my main concern every day and my employees so my secretaries my main concern is how can i use myself what i have and my studio to 
help them fulfill their dreams? How can this place where can be their place to grow, their place to dream about, their place to become better every day. And I think this is the main point of opening um, a business in general. It's not like, it's not about how can I use them to fill up my pockets? No, it's like, how can I help them grow so much within these walls around me that they are gonna make my business successful through their light? How can I help them be unique? And that's another very important thing. I. I do understand there's teaching methods, but you know what? Um, we're all different and um, we need, I, I strongly believe in individual uniqueness and that's what makes us special. So I don't want my instructor to teach all the same thing in the same way, following the same manuals and in the same with the same cueings because the way people choose their Pilates instructor is the same way we choose our friends. We cannot be friends with everybody. I mean, I, I, can, I can have a pleasant time with everybody, but that connection, that chemistry that comes from the energy that we are made of, that doesn't happen with everybody. If all my instructors are a clone of each other, they're not going to actually respond to the needs of a very wide clientele. Yeah. I want my instructors to be absolutely unique in their approach, in their background, in their schools that they've done, in the education, in their, um, in the, in the, the topics that they specialize in, um, and in the way they deliver those classes. So I truly, what, what I try to, when I, tr when I try to build my studio, it's all about how can I make this place the best place for each and one of them to, uh, to develop their own way their so own is that, passion is that a consideration that you're thinking before you open are you thinking right i need a team yes i need a team i need yes, two or three people one yes. to cover this one to cover that one to cover that for me it was i want to share i want to share i want to share and i want to learn and i want to learn through making other people learn yeah for me this was the main the main point always and so that's, that's kind of like your vision and your mission at the top right we, yeah. need, to, we need to cater for all of these members of the population and I'm going to focus my energy and my resources around. So you're thinking human resources first? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So then what is it? Do you have specifics or are you trying to just cast a wide net at the beginning? Well, to be honest, I went to New York and I spoke to Catherine and Kimberly Corp. They are the owners and founders of the Pilates on Fifth, one of the, the, the main Pilates studios in New York. And I went there for a class and I was talking to them and they were like you know over 20 years owning the studio the only way the only criteria that we apply to select the people who will work with us is their energy their attitude their passion their attitude with the way they are the way they talk to others yeah. the way they interact because yeah. everything else can be learned yes yeah. everything else can be learned but the attitude that's and something that you and the energy that's something really difficult to uh to change yeah. mm -hmm. um the generosity the, the mind mindset the, set, the mm -hmm. mindset and the willingness to to learn and get better that's and 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 the smile at life, the love for life. It's yeah. something that is difficult to um, That's good advice. To learn. Yeah. And I really I and it got stuck into my mind and I have to say I have rejected many Pilates instructors who wanted to work at the studio and their curriculum was absolutely fantastic. But they just didn't match yeah. The atmosphere, the personality that I wanted to. Yeah, I remember I worked my first one of my first PT jobs in the UK once I graduated, but my but my degree was in a Virgin Active place, and there was a whole load of us were starting over a few months over a summer, and I started at the same time as this guy who, on paper, he had just done a course and 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 he'd quit his job. He had two young kids. He was in his late thirties, mid thirties. I was in my mid twenties, and on paper, like I had courses, 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 and he had one course. So when we went in together at the same time, I remember the manager said to me, he's like, look, you're, you're a slow burner to me. He's like, I can tell you know your stuff and I can tell you're quite quiet, I can tell you're quite reserved. Um, so we need to work on your sales. We need to work on your like, how you get your, your knowledge out of you and how you get it into people and, and how they, they buy into what you're selling. And the other guy, I can't remember his name, 
He's like, you have the chat, you have the gift, you have the you have the talk. You can, you're here because you want to help people. So he's like, what you need to do is just learn from all the people around you, all the all the, the PTs. And what happened then over the next few months was just the general turnover when you have a team of maybe 20, 12, 15 PTs in the gym. People were leaving. You know, they just moved to the end of their, they're getting another job. And everybody was, was speaking to, uh, Paul was his name. Everyone was speaking to this guy, Paul, will you look after my clients? Because everybody wanted their clients to get the best energy, you know? So there was a group of other, the rest of us who were struggling to build our client bases. And he was he was like everybody's go-to guy. And then it turned out it didn't even work for me. It didn't work out for me because I couldn't I couldn't get learn that energy. I would, whatever it was, I didn't have the the gift of the chat. So within four months, I left the job as well. And who did I give my clients to? I gave my clients to Paul because he had the energy he had and the other stuff he can learn. He can go on the courses and he can learn the technical thing. But you can't you can't learn that energy. I think that's a really important thing to to. to to be aware of that. And I'm not saying that everybody should be bubbly and have a, a shiny personality. I mean, yeah, you can again, have serious people yeah. again, again, it's just about the integrity and it's about the working ethics and it's about um, the generosity that you have in the job. And there's two things that really, really uh, make me proud somehow. One is I've never heard my, my instructor saying, oh, she took my, my client, she stole my client, or I'm going to take those clients everybody shares our clients literally take classes with all the instructors at the studio and i never and i really hope this can continue uh growing in the same direction because um this is how it should be and we discuss cases we have teachers meetings and we exchange knowledge we teach to each other that is so so precious and valuable um, I was saying before we had a professor, so we had one of our previous podcasters was a professor in ethics and he also, him and his wife also owned two Pilates studios and they were talking about, about this really delicate issue of ethics and ethics in business as well and what it really takes to be a business owner and then be... Um, be in business and then be in the fitness industry and that very precarious line of uh, what is right and then what is not right and where you can kind of find and navigate your way really responsibly for both you and your clients. Um, and that's quite an interesting interesting topic that I feel like people just over. Well, for me, the first point in my list is never compromise your ethics for the financial aspect. Never, ever, ever. And uh, it it matters the world to me and I know it's it sounds I sound cheesy because I'm all about love and about care and about but you know what these are the only things that really matter the rest mm. it doesn't really matter so, Chloe how do you how do you do that then what what real tangible advice can you give to people when they're in a situation where their ethics is have you been in a situation yeah, where your I've ethics been, I've been in a million been situations honestly and even in front of my entire team I've been in situations where I've been really called to, should I, should I? Um, Do you want to give us an example so people uh, can understand? Well, the first example that comes to my mind is you're in front of a client who has been um, working out with you and either you're not sure that you're going in the right direction or you know for sure that yes, you can help that client, but you know someone else who can help him better. Um, or you're in front of a client who tells you how many times per week should I exercise? Um, I would like to come four to five times a week. Um, never ever think of your own benefits rather than the client's interest. The client's interest and the people, the, the interests of the people around you must come before yours. And that's for me a huge proof of ethics. I'm not going to tell you you need to come five times a week. If I think that two is enough and my husband is always like, why do you tell them that two is enough? I'm like, because it's true. Because it's true, because rather than having a client paying for a huge package and committing to five times a week, which is going to be too expensive financially, and it's going to be too demanding in terms of commitment, and they're going to stop coming within three weeks because it's too much, I'd rather have somebody coming twice a week and staying for two years. And although I'm, it, every, everything comes from 
being honest and then it ends up also being more profitable for me but it also it, you you need to you we need to be reasonable we need yeah. to be reasonable and when i know that somebody else can help my clients more or if i see that they're not fully happy and they because maybe they would like to i know my husband loves pilates but he needs to go running and to go boxing because otherwise he's gonna get nuts at the end of the week and i'm the one telling them listen i have this professional that i really know and that i really went myself to and i trust his professionalism and his knowledge go and see them because i know that they can really help you more than I'm helping you. And of course, they are gonna go to somebody else. So they're probably not gonna come to me for some time, but they, and if you refer to real professionals that you really trust and you work with and you know their value, they are gonna send you back so many people because they trust that you have their own interest in yeah. mind before yours and that you work in a network of professionals who are really valuable and that can be trusted. And that is priceless, that is priceless. And something else, and this is about Dubai, do not get paid for clients. Do not accept to, I mean, sorry, do, do not pay <laughs> um, to have clients. Do not accept that. That is completely What do you mean by that? Wrong. Don't get commissions to be oh. referred. Say again? Don't get commissions to have referrals. So, so like a physiotherapist. Uh, sorry, don't pay commissions to get referrals. Oh, like a okay. kickback. Yes. Yeah. Like yes. a kickback. Yes. Okay. Do people do that here? I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. <laughs> Yeah, really. <laughs> we didn't know that. <laughs> how come? I don't know. That's how the men, that's that's I mean, that's very common in Dubai and I've been I've been uh, asked uh, a lot of times mm, and I've uh, never done that. Um, I've had a I've had a chiropractic That's called a doctor fee. You don't know? No, I've had okay. a chiropractic clinic mm. tell us that they were willing to give us free uh, for, for X many clients, we'd get free orthotics and with this many clients, we'd get another thing and another thing. Which to me, and I'll be honest, I was fresh in Dubai. I was in Dubai like six months or nine months at the time. This is my old job. I, w I walked out of the meeting going, That's, I didn't I didn't want that. Like I didn't want them to come to the table and bring that, offer me that. I actually thought that's really discredited, this chiropractic clinic. I was like, I just wanted them to know about us, us to know about them. And we'll just have a, a, an exchange of, of service and traffic. We're like, if someone's right for us, send them here and vice versa. I think like for, from my perspective, I only refer people to the physios that I've worked with. Yeah. And most, most people that contact me are people who've had accidents and who are like really messed up. And the only people that I refer them to are the people that I worked with because I know. Yeah. So I refer them, we spoke about this to Miffy and to, yeah. to people that I know helped me and you and like, yeah. but other than that, I would never do yeah, that. Yeah, no, I mean, you've got a huge experience this like i was probably in dubai maybe six months do you know so i'm trying to go knocking on doors and i'm trying to get my name out there now it's purely based on exper ex experience experiential the people that i know and trust and we have these little networks but when i was literally knocking on doors to try and build a network this clinic came in and they this woman just came with this uh, angle on things and I thought this isn't do I don't you, I don't want this I actually do you don't know what though sorry to interrupt you there Keith like I um, have one of my best one of my best friends used to be in the pharmaceutical industry here she's probably going to kill me for saying this but um, in Australia pharmaceutical industries are really tightly rigged like not rigged sorry very tightly controlled so there's no kickbacks and here in Dubai to refer uh, to to convince um to convince doctors to prescribe different medication, they would give them a holiday, give them a That's holiday. super. That's, listen, my parents are doctors. I'm and sure. I mean, I've seen this since I was really young. I mean, they bring yeah. them to holidays. They bring them to very fashionable yeah, restaurants. Exactly. And, and then, um, I mean, this is the way it works. Um, but going back to the topic, um, I I don't. That's terrible. I think it? it's very. Um, it doesn't give credit to, to your professionalism no, when you accept to pay in order or give a commission in order to receive clients, and that also doesn't give you the measure of the work that you are doing, the quality yeah. of the work yeah. that you are doing. Because you know what, if your studio is empty, um, then either you have a marketing problem, but even 
even though I haven't really, I didn't, I never really had budget to invest in marketing, mm -hmm. never, because I don't come from a rich family and uh, I just had about right to open the studio and even, um, even not enough, I would say. But, um, so how did you, do, how did you yeah, migrate did that one? Uh, in terms of finance. marketing no, or the finance, finance for, for the setup, yeah. Because that's a huge challenge that lots of people face. Like, I don't have the money to set up my own anything. So, and especially in Dubai, like Dubai is a really challenging place because you pay. And, uh, some of the people that are listening to this are obviously not from Dubai. They w they don't know that you you pay rent here, like in two checks, one check or four checks. Yeah. And four checks is being really generous. And, and well, to yeah. pay your rent for a commercial like license in one go. Yeah. <laughs> what that means is you write the checks on the 1st of January and you date them across the year and then you hand them to the landlord. So that money's coming out of your account, whether you have it or not. And yeah. it's huge chunks. So Chloe, how did, you, how did you navigate that and what advice do you p have for people who are thinking about opening studios and it's the finance part of it that they're having challenges with? What okay, did you do? so when... Um, I don't think a lot of people know this story, only my close friends, but um, when we moved to Dubai... Um, my husband had a little saving from 15 years of saving and uh, I had very little. I knocked my mother's door and my mom has been so supportive. Nothing would have been possible without her. And she told me, listen, if you have a dream, I trust you. And, uh, and she gave me basically everything she had <laughs> she literally emptied her bank account um and we moved to dubai and we had spoken to a consultancy company agency who was helping us with all the the paperwork and uh, um, and licensing and they had told us oh within two to three months you're gonna open your business um you don't need longer the architect was like yeah we need one and a half months to do the fit out and it's gonna be good so we budgeted a certain amount of money and then we um, we planned according to a certain amount of time. It took us 14 months to open the studio and um, so the time got more than tripled, like five times more amount of time that we had thought. Were you paying and rent the whole time? Sorry? Were you paying rent the yeah, whole time? Yeah, of course. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, Why did it take so long to open? Um, maybe we can have another podcast for okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> the difficulties of opening a business in Dubai. Um, and it also, the budget went to up the stars, literally. I mean, we had to, it, was even, it wasn't even double. It was like probably more than double than what we had in our bank accounts. But we had no way back. We, get, we, we were stuck in between. We were like, we had already spent everything we have. We cannot go back. We cannot go forward. What do we do? And we we had so many things going wrong um we had so many people taking advantage of the fact that we didn't have experience um it, it everything went completely south to all extents we lived for three days and three months and 21 days without electricity and water at home wow. um so we didn't have uh, I literally were, I was going to the toilet with a front lamp because I couldn't switch on the light and there was no water in the shower. So it was really, really, really tough. And for 23 months, I couldn't afford a flight to go back to my country and to just say hi to my father. And my mom had no more money to help me and my father was not in a good economical situation and my husband's parents tried to help as much as they could but none of us is very wealthy so um it was really really tough and we got to a point where we we were working every possible job and my husband was like literally trying to support us and support the opening of the business um and we got to a point where $10,000 were missing. Like we could literally not, we, we just needed $10,000 to open the doors. And, um, and that's a point where I met a girl in Dubai. We became very good friends. And three months after knowing uh, me, she came to me and she was like, listen, I know you. I, I mean, I don't, need, I don't need more time to understand the person you are here is a check there's ten thousand dollars and very generous that's yeah. how it happened and now of course i i paid my um 
uh, my debt. Uh, I paid it back. I actually finished paying it back last year after three years. Um, she's, I mean, she, she didn't need it, that money, of course, but... Uh, um, it's the principle as well. No, of course, of course, I would pay it back fully. Um, but she also allowed me to do it slowly so that I could get back on my feet. Um, you paid it back in three years, is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, I could have probably paid it yeah, back yeah, before, yeah. but I, I, I was <laughs> literally trying to build up a little cushion on the bank account so that if, because then you start having employees and you're responsible for them. Yeah, so yeah. it's also it. not, it's not easy as soon as you, as somebody works, starts working with you or either as a freelancer or as an employee, it doesn't really matter. You're still responsible yeah. for their financial situation. And I have been giving my hours to my instructors, um, so many times in order to make sure that I were I was providing enough hours for them so how do to you, teach. How do you juggle all that stress? Oh, how do you that's like, like well, what's the self talk or what's the how do you get so laser focused that all of these sort of stresses and threats you just this is what I want to do. These well, are, these these are my plan. This is what I want to get to. That's probably the power of visualization, as I told you, uh, is as I told you in the previous episode. Um, um, my dream was so strongly vivid in yeah. my in in my brain, and I could picture myself there, and I knew. Um, I knew my values. I knew I I knew how much I could bring to this city. Um, so I was like, "You just need to get there. Just get there, and then it's gonna be okay." Um, and was also, it okay? Uh, well, when you got there? Uh, well, thanks God, yes. And if I think now, about three years ago, I was in three thousand square feet. Um, which is a huge amount of space. My mom was like, what are you going to do with all that space? And now we don't have enough space to fit all the equipment. You know, I was like, I was too, everything was too small in my previous studio. I want space because I know I'm going to expand. I'm going to bring novelty. I'm going to have new things coming from all over the world. And I'm going to have so much people that I'm going to need all this space to be filled up. But it was uh, probably the 15th of August, 2000. 15 and I was alone in 3,000 square feet on the 42nd floor and I was designing the website, answering the emails, watering the plants, cleaning the toilet, teaching classes and and I don't know how it happened that people walked through that door on the 42nd floor, but it happened. Yeah. And and um, honestly, my best form of marketing, because you can you can imagine there was no chance we could have paid for any marketing strategy or or anything. Um, the 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 best marketing was doing a proper job. When you really, really do a good job, then people speak about you. When when you love something, you share it. And my clients started, my, my friends started sharing yeah. uh, their experiences. And that's uh, and that's. Did you when give away like free sessions? Did you do like free trials? All that. Um, I did at the very, very beginning. Yeah. But um, if I if I have to give a piece of advice to new studio owners we're always really worried that people are not going to walk through the door so we give a lot of free sessions the thing is people who come um, to try your classes for free who are willing to try your classes for free most of the times are not real clients because they're not people who are willing to pay a little bit to come and try you and that is not real clientele most of the time free trial clients are not likely to become true clients people who are likely to become who are who can become a real client is a person who can pay a little bit to try yeah because if they can if they're willing to pay a little bit to try then they're willing to pay more to stay but if they're not even willing to pay a little bit to try it's very yeah. likely that they're not going to stay with you so you might have your studio full of people coming for free trials and then yeah. you'll realize that the people who actually buy a package um is is not very numerous so better to have less trials it's not you're not going to get rich through that amount of money that you charge but you will know the commitment from yeah. the client side and what is really important is how much energy you can save how much yeah 
um, you can maintain your integrity in terms of uh, teacher. You cannot give your energy away to everybody who just comes and wants to try. You need to select the people who you want to give your energy to. And, and it's super important yeah. um, that, uh, I mean, I, I just... We don't do free trials anymore. I mean, I, I stopped doing it after very few months because I realized nothing was coming out of it. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting philosophy because we've I've run circuit classes where we spend years. So offering just so you know, Keith um, also has a fitness biz business. So he's got four business partners as well, a, a separate yeah. to a life of education. PT, one-on-one -on -one small group and circuit class. Um, and at the start of the circuit class, we were given loads and loads of freebies to try and get it off the ground, just to get volumes, to get people in. And looking back on it now, we 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 knew how much energy it was going to take, and we were, we went for it. But and we probably sustained it for a long period of time, more so than maybe we might have expected. But eventually, it just tapers off. It's not sustainable. And then you're left with the people who love it, and the people who are gonna come no matter where we'll go. You know, we go here, they come here, we go there, we go there. And I think what you said at the very start is the most important thing in my views. You need to have your quality there. You need, people can see quality, they can sense it, they can feel it, and they will pay for quality. Like if, you, if, if, if you've got such high quality, any price you're offering is a bargain. You know, if you're on the precipice of like, this is the price and this is what I do, and then it doesn't work, you're not you're not adding value by by being better and i think i strongly believe quality comes from education um and that's and that's it and i cannot tell you how many free trainings i have been giving and i will give to my uh instructors at the studio i um hundred percent i mean uh, all my instructors have taken free courses uh, from uh, from the studio and we do teachers meetings where i invite people to speak or to um uh, just to to broaden the horizon you know or to make them curious and uh and i try to bring i've been trying last um, in the past months i've been bringing influencers and inspiring women from yeah, from california from the uk from Arizona who flew all the way uh, to Dubai to share their passion and their knowledge and their Pilates uh, journey with uh, with us. And that's, again, that's why I, I did all this to share. But uh, quality comes from education. We need to keep investing in educating ourselves, either with a book, with an online course, with trainings. Last year, I traveled 33 hours by plane to just spend four days in California to attend a training which has been one of the most inspiring teacher trainings I've ever attended and it's priceless I mean it costed me a fortune but it is priceless in terms of the connection you make the professional connection you make um, the the enthusiasm that comes out of sharing what you love with other people like you and learning so much, coming back empowered with so much more energy and willingness to share more and to show more, you know, like let me show my clients what yeah. what we can do together. Yeah, you get massively invigorated and you, yeah. get, you get like a little jump start, a little electric shock to your system and you, and you go again. And yeah, and it keeps you growing and moving yeah. forward as well as a professional. That's and important because otherwise you can stagnate too. Totally. It's um, sometimes it can give you a better understanding of the things that you already know. Totally. So what I've yeah. found on courses, I'll go on and I know this thing works blah, 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 because I've done it a million times and it works. And then I go on a course and that connects to dot. And I go, oh, that, so that's why that's actually working. Okay, so now I can actually quadruple the, produ the productivity of what I already know. I just needed these two little synapses connected and then, and then off you go. Um, but I really do believe that quality will float to the top and the people who were... Um, taking kickbacks, you know, for commissions, they're not, they don't, they can't compete with somebody who's, uh, with a trainer who's getting positive referrals from the clients that are already going to them or the instructor or the, the, the yoga teacher. In the office, it's the middle of the day, someone complains of a back injury, someone else tells them, I have this great trainer, da, da, da. that's more valuable for the referral than a clinical setting or whoever's given the kickback to say, hey, go to that guy. 
They go to that guy and they realize that guy's not very good. That 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 loses the trust of both of those. Why did you send me to that person? That person like hurt me. Remember like your experience as well, Caroline, with the when you started your journey out of the clinics. And here comes another very important point. I believe there's a lot of I would call them with an Italian word a tutologist. They make everything. Like they open studios and they offer yoga, Pilates, um, and then they offer um, Zumba, and then they make meditation things, and then they have uh, uh, circuit training, high interval intensive, I don't even know, all those trainings. and. It's a little bit of everything and it's a whole of nothing because you cannot be good at everything. You can't. If you want to strive for that excellence, you must do one thing and you must be the best. Like you do one thing and you are the absolute best at what you do or you really strive for that uh, position. You really try to be the number one. And again, you go for education. And I, I feel like we're so lucky nowadays because education is available everywhere and you can combine holidays with education. You can travel yeah. to a place, visit for a couple of days and also um, do a training Man. and mm. um, and you build international network and that's so precious. So, but again... Educate yourself to be the best at one thing. You cannot be the best at everything. Yeah. So when you fo- you want to focus your business on one thing, and within the Pilates industry itself, there is so much that you can specialize. Again, I'm not saying you should only do that, but choose one topic. And I have like you spoke to Marianne. She's one of the first. She's probably the first instructor who ever worked with me. And you know the first class, Pilates class she ever taught in her entire life. She taught it to me, and uh, uh, because she came for an interview mm-hmm. at the studio and. Um, and through the years, she found her passion through developing more skills into core strengthening, into pre and postnatal rehabilitation, and into that journey. And she is, she's becoming so good at it. And I have other instructors with other um, passions within the same like Pilates world Mm. um so you can you can always you can work with teenagers you can work with elderly you can have a more fitness approach and work with athletes you can have a more rehabilitative approach and work with injuries i mean you don't you know better than me but when you when you open your business find the thing you want to offer and be number one in town Mm, that's good advice yeah awesome so just um where can people get in touch with you again? Just remind people of where they can catch you online. Well, um, online you can find me on platisacademydubai.com. Uh, we have a studio in JLT and a very, very new branch in Business Bay. and Or on my Instagram page, which is Pilates Academy Dubai. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks again for coming to us a second time. Thank you we very much. Really appreciate you. Thank yeah. you very much. Bye, guys. See you again, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.